0: So I went to do usual groceries on Friday morning and one of the items I needed to get was toilet paper. And to my surprise, I got to the aisle to find the entire section emptied, wiped out. I am yet to understand why we are going for the toilet paper. I witnessed cashiers telling people to limit certain items to two per customer. I sense the anxiety in the voices and how people are interacting with one another. And the news, we all are seeing the news. There's no break from what is happening right now with this coronavirus. So as I'm thinking about what is happening, here's a question that I hope that you can think and reflect upon. How does this kind of crisis help grow our faith? How can social distancing strengthen and unite us? These kind of circumstances lead many people to panic and to the kind of self-reliance kind of behavior conducive to the survival of the fittest. Again, people are hoarding toilet paper. This may be a typical human behavior when we face something beyond our control. We attempt to grab on and go after whatever we can, whatever fraction of control we can put our hands on, as if we can actually pursue the inner peace and the security that we need. But that doesn't work. What works may be short-lived, and what seems to work in a way is dishonoring god and it's certainly doing a disservice to other people so again the question can anything good come out of this the answer is absolutely yes it is for us to seek god it is for us to seek god because god remains in control and we may have strong opinions about this matter, but God holds the truth, and God makes the way, and we believe that in and through Jesus Christ. So I want to bring to your attention a scripture, First Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for our salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6, In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Verse 8. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. And the last verse, verse 9. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Peter is the author of this letter. And Peter writes this letter to a people who are dispersing. He writes a letter to people that are unable to stay together. And they have to distance themselves from who they know and from what they have known. So Peter talks to them about a living hope. A living hope that revives in them and today, I so hope, revives in us, in our hearts. That there's this undying and future promised in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that we are immune to any threat that we may face in this time and in this world. Peter recognizes the hardships that are faced. This is where he writes, whatever you may be facing for a little while. But then he says that our genuine faith is to be deepened exactly in this kind of moment and situation. It's kind of like gold put into the fire. It may melt. There's something perishable about it. But then in the end, something refined comes out of it. So this is telling us that the hardship can strengthen our faith. And the fullness of Jesus' salvation comes within reach. Are we doing that? Do we believe that, and are we exemplifying that? We can't control or we can't truly contain altogether what is happening. And for that, it's to remind ourselves that we need the truth and we need a savior. And here are the good news: We know that we need a savior and we have a savior. So we must focus on the Savior. And when that becomes our inward process, the inner peace is there. The security is there. Whatever is deposited here can and should be shared with everyone and externally. And that is the kind of witness that we are supposed to share always Sometimes, unfortunately, but this is the truth, sometimes it almost looks like we need to face hardships to remember who relies on who. Survival of the fittest, as I mentioned just a moment ago, is a human typical kind of behavior that we tend to lean on when we think it's necessary. But it's wrong. Because survival of the fittest, its its meaning is to dismiss, to undermine our neighbor. There's nothing about caring for the other. It's in fact telling us or implying that we are to step on another to get there first. The survival of the fittest, implies that it is founded in self-determination rather than an act of surrender. We face what we're facing and it is then and now when we have to surrender. The survival of the fittest is a deceit. It's a self-deceiting understanding when we actually think we can overcome the hardship with our own efforts Survival of the fittest is wrong because it's focusing on the scarcity, not abundance. It's about at least let me make it above water just enough. It's the opposite of immeasurable grace given for you and given for all. So too many Christians, we understand this, we may say amen as we read, as we listen to this kind of good news, and we believe it in theory, but struggle, but we may struggle to realize that we are to put it in practice. In hard times, self-reliance and our diligence to get above water makes us run to Costco And get all these items and hoard them for ourselves. We need a Savior. We have a Savior. And God calls us to believe that our Savior protects us. Please keep in mind this concept of protection. In Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 and 29. Please hear these words. Come unto me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, says Jesus Christ. For I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. The first phrase, come unto me, come to me and I will give you rest. The very first moment we come to Jesus, we find rest. Just in the act of coming forward, we are to receive the pardon and the acceptance. And there's something sublime and eternal in that. That's where rest begins to reside. And then the verse goes further. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. In other words, yield yourselves to God's training. He's saying, learn from me. It's saying, submit all things and learn how I face all things. It talks about how we are to surrender our whole life and rest in God folks we are yet we were loved while we were yet sinners so God called us to him we were guilty and by faith we were forgiven first way of understanding resting our souls then we continue the walk and we face hardship And often, that weakens our faith. But what does the word say? Don't be troubled. Don't fear. I am here. I am with you. So once again, by faith, we can be restored and renewed. And then, we look out into the future. And we admit that we can't truly control the future. So we can possibly trust in God or... Once again, panic. What will it, how will this unfold? And once again, our faith can be weakened or dwindled, but the word reminds us, we will be perfected in the future. We are to be sanctified. So do you see how our past, our present, and our future is always in God's hand so we are to become partakers of the union despite and in the midst of adversity we are to remain in communion with God and then show that in community in the midst of dispersion the Christian needs to exercise watchfulness we may get too deeply interested in the desires of this world. Restlessness and worry that come um, against us rise the anxiety about the earthly things that eat away the life and the trust that we're supposed to hold. And then we notice that the life around us, it's like a troubled sea. And the spirit of fear and distrust in spiritual things take over our souls so we disconnect so we disperse ourselves from God but the message that Peter is telling and how the word continues to bring us truth and is calling us to recenter and realign is that yeah we need a savior we have one And our hearts are continually prone to wander. But the Lord is calling us today to remain united. Especially in the hard times. To not disperse within our souls and away from God's community. But in fact to strengthen our faith. To hold on exactly in this time. We need to find our rest, our shelter, our shield, and our protection in the Lord. And we are to believe that only if we believe that in Christ, we have our lasting portion, whatever we need for today. God is our only never-ending joy. God is our true inner peace. And God offers blessed assurance And the power of the Holy Spirit will fulfill in you the promise of salvation. You will be okay. We are going to be okay. We're supposed to declare that and be an example of that. And the church will be able to be and do great things when all of the individuals, all of us together, Learn to live our lives waiting on God, trusting in God, relying in God, being faithful to God, remaining calm and firm, anchored in God. So as I come to a close, and we will close with a song that talks about how powerful the name of Jesus is. I'm asking you to reflect how is your faith deepening right now? How can you exemplify that you are okay and that we're trusting? How can 1 Peter chapter 1 be lived out by you today? We are to remain in Christ. Are you? We are to believe and behave that God is protecting us. Are we doing so? We are to live courageously by faith. Are we doing that? We are to intercede for others, strengthening our faith among others. Are we doing that? We are to follow Jesus and take on the yoke. It is hard times. And receive clear direction from God. Got to listen through the word. We are to overcome discouragement and temptation even when we are put through the fire because ultimately we believe the outcome remains. We're saved. We are to witness how to see restless people, unsaved people come to Christ through you. May this be your prayer. May this be the challenge that we as First Church will commit to in the days to come. No dispersion is needed. Let us remain in unity with God. Let us pray. We give you thanks, God, for your faithfulness. We give you thanks for how you make a way we can't come together face to face, but we can we can be virtually. We have the resources, we have the talent, and we have the willingness of people. And we know that you are present. I ask, Lord, for those who are infected. I ask, Lord, for your presence as the great physician. I ask. Lord, as you are our redeemer, to hold us, to surround us, to sustain us, Lord, may we anchor ourselves um, in you. May we be the example of what it's like to have faith grounded in you. We can't be with one another, but that is no excuse to remain connected. Guide us. Forgive our sins. Forgive us our mistrust forgive our reluctance empower us jesus christ and holy spirit to reflect that our salvation is secured in you in the name of jesus christ amen god bless you